Color tends to corrupt photography, and absolute color corrupts absolutely. There are four simple words for the matter which must be whispered. Color photography is vulgar. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. <laughs> Each time we start the show, we have to come up with some different way to say that. But uh, <laughs> You know, that, I didn't ever even plan that. When, when Tom and I started the show, I had no idea how I was going to start it. And say, well, I'm going to talk like this, or I'm going to speak like this. It just happened. And now it's like, I got to keep doing it this way. Yeah. I can't, I can't switch it. You know? So we know who we are. What show is this? What show is this? This is a show. This is episode 157 for tax day. Oh, that's middle, right. It's your tax day. Middle of April. Yeah, and I'm filing an extension. I just have too much emotional stuff going on. I can't even think about taxes. I just told my accountant, just tell me what I, you know, throw out a number and I'll pay some money and then we'll figure out the rest of it later in October. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, you do what you must, my friend. Yeah. It's just, it's. Too many things going on in life now for me to, to to worry about taxes. If the tax people are listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just listen to my episodes. You'll know what's going on in my life. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of April. And today it was 81 degrees in New York. And then we had a oh. giant thunderstorm come through. Oh, we had snow. We've had snow for the I've past heard. three days. <laughs> it's, it's like rude. Yeah, this is not. Oh, by the way, this is the Street Shots Photography Podcast. I don't think we said that. I said that. I said that at the beginning. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. (laughs) I'm telling you, I had a nap today and it's really messed me up. I know. Ward is telling me offline that he had a nap and he's tired. I was like, the whole point of a nap is so that you're not tired. Sleepy. I'm sleepy, sleepy not yeah. tired. I'm not fatigued. I'm yeah. just like, you know, if I put my head down again, I'm going to go, you know. Yeah. Well, we record this show at night. It's later for me than it is for Ward. Uh, it's about 10.20 my time and 8.20 your time. That's right. But we're getting on there in age, so we get tired early. So anyway, that's enough of the <laughs> talking about how old we are. Uh, my update is I'm still not back on instagram and, so uh, any progress or any any kind of well news there? um there is yeah well no progress as far as i can tell my brother is actually in contact with the hacker uh he is in nigeria and he okay. is loath to give it back and um we we're trying to negotiate some sort of uh escrow or something like that to pay him some money to get the account back. Wow. Uh, my brother's taking care of that, and he's actually pretty good at, um, what do I want to say, social engineering. What's the word when, you, when you're... when It's social engineering. Social well, social engineering. engineering is when you cajole something. Out yeah, of but he's not doing that. Want. He's talking to the guy legitimately. Oh, negotiation. Just negotiation. Negotiating really, you know, well with him. But um, so far, I haven't heard anything. You know, Instagram or Facebook is like, they don't give a crap about no. the individual uh, I've done the face. People have sent me, you know, um, the, you can take f- selfie videos to compare. I don't think I've got a picture of myself on my Instagram 
um, at least not in my, uh, I might in my archive because you know you can archive pictures in Instagram, yeah. but not in my mainstream. I don't think there's a picture of me. There might mm. be, uh, I don't maybe, but I've done the video like six times so far, and each time is like, well, we don't, you know, we don't know. So I have no idea of how to get back in. Anyway, if anybody's listening to this show, if they know a good way of getting back in that doesn't require the video because it doesn't work, and you know, I don't have the two-factor uh, authorization, not authorization. What is it called? Authentication. Authentication. Yeah. Two FA or MFA. Two yeah. FA. Yeah. Uh, I never set it up, and of course, it's too late. You know, and so he yeah. set it up. You know, the Cacker set it up, so I can't get in. But um, Instagram and Facebook are just are are no help whatsoever, and so they don't care. And and I it made me start thinking about this. I, I've been off since I don't know when it was last. It was two weeks ago. Two. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. So I've lived without Instagram for that long. I even, you know, I, I, I have the app on my phone and I can open up my other accounts, but I'm not following the same people on the other accounts. And so the, the streams are different. So I'm not seeing any pictures. And when it comes time to lifting up the phone, right, it's like I do, yeah. And, yeah. and taking a look at it when I've got a break, uh, I'm not seeing a stream of photos and I'm not able to share photos other than on Twitter and Facebook. And so it's got me thinking, I've just been thinking about this for a while. Like what, it, it bothers me that someone's got my, you know, account and my, you know, kind of my identity. Uh, I, I will say that Facebook or Instagram did take off the post. He was posting some pictures and they removed those. Mm. But it's, it's like, geez, if you can remove those, can't you just notice that I'm the guy? Yeah. <laughs> like They're not doing anything, but um. And I think he might have hacked a few people through DMs. So, you know, again, I've been trying to tell people, but again, it's a, it's almost impossible to tell everybody what's going on. But I'm thinking, like, what does this mean for my identity as a photographer, you know, in general? And like, you know, I lived most of my life without Instagram, right? You know, mm -hmm. Instagram is a relatively new thing. And so what was I doing then? And what was I considering myself as a photographer? And how now it's so wrapped up in Instagram, or at least it was, and so I have these mixed feelings about it. Mm. Um, definitely like a cold turkey kind of thing, you know, the, like right. a withdrawal because there's nothing to look at. And I, and I follow a lot of good photographers. I like seeing the pictures. And I know we've talked about this a zillion times. You know, you see the picture yeah. sort of out of context. It's a stream and mm -hmm. doom scrolling or whatever you want to call it. It's not doom scrolling, but, you know, just constantly looking and looking and looking new pictures, yeah. new pictures. I haven't seen new pictures other than what I'm seeing on the groups I follow on, Insta on uh, Facebook. Right. And, and, you know, picking up books, you know, like I need to sort of go through my books. So I, and then, you know, with all the other stuff that's going on in my life now, um, you know, how much energy do I really want to put into getting my right. Instagram account back? I mean, I know I'm not a photographer commercially anymore. Like I don't, you know, so I'm not using that to get jobs. Oh, I love to, but like, it's not happening. Right? Right. It probably wouldn't happen anyway. And I know that like what's going to happen is when, when I finally start sharing my, you know, or if I start meeting people like, what's your Instagram account? What's your Instagram account? Do I start a new one? You know, right. uh, which I don't really want to do because I want my name. I like, like everything. Like I'm, Rosario. Yeah. Am Rosario. I'm, I'm, I'm Am Rosario everywhere. And mm -hmm. to be something different on Instagram just bugs the crap out of me. And then what would happen, I guess if I got it back, I could always shut the new account down. Right. I guess it yeah. wouldn't be such a big deal. Um, 
but I haven't started a new account yet. I mean, I keep holding out. So again, I'm not sure. Like I'm just in this place of like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to share pictures again through Instagram or do I care? I just, I'm in this zone, but it's a very interesting place to be. It's very interesting to think about what am I doing? I take, I still take street shots. I took a few today. I was mostly mm-hmm. with my iPhone walking around, but I was like, I processed them. I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do yeah. with them? I put them on Twitter and Twitter is like a, Twitter is like screaming out into the Grand Canyon. It's like, yeah. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And then like, <laughs> and you get two no or three an- likes and that's there's it. No yeah. answers. You, you retweet something. I might get yeah. something from Marco LaRusse who's, you know, say that's yeah. a nice thing you know, or, or likes it. And that's it. It is, it is a dead world. Yeah. And I don't have the energy to sit there on Twitter all day and go, you know, to start to bring up my, uh, whatever, my engagement on it. Uh, so it really brings up this whole issue about social media and what it does, you know. And, um, you know, yeah, I understand throwing out pictures in the world and not responding means like, well, of course, you're going to get pushed down on the on the chain of, you know, yeah. stuff. So I don't know. The, the jury's out yet in me about what it means. And I know I don't like it. I know I'm missing something. I miss it. Like I, I miss. Oh, you do. So it's not like there's a bit of relief because you have one less mouth to feed in terms of social media. There's a little bit of that too. I mean, again, my time these days, I'm not spending as much time on social media. The only reason I spend time on Facebook is I got a lot of friends, actual friends, yeah, friends. Yeah. And I want to hear what they're saying. I know Facebook is not, you know, everybody's got their thing about Facebook, but yeah, when it's, when it's just friends, people I know, or, uh, you know, people in my neighborhood and part of the group, there's, there's interesting things. I actually get some value from that. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I can, I can contribute uh, as well to, to stuff going on on Facebook. So I, I like that. I mean, that's how I met, you know, uh, Shane uh, right. in the, in the frames uh, group on, uh, on Facebook, you know, so there's yeah. a lot, there is some value. Um, but yeah, no, it is another, another, it is true. It's not another mouth to feed. Another thing I don't have to do every day. And you know, like, you know, um, although I wasn't, you know, sometimes in Instagram, it does feel like a desert as well, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if anybody else has got experience like that. You want to share Just let us know. I mean, we're <laughs> just really curious about this. Yeah. And you know, it also brings up the question, like what if Instagram just disappears someday? You know, what if Elon Musk buys it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or something uh, deletes it. Or something. He's on his way to do that, doing that with Twitter. So I, I know I'm not even sure what that means, you know. And uh, um, and Twitter. Sorry to go. This is a slight tangent, but Twitter. I've got two experiences with Twitter. I use a Twitter app and the Twitter app. I use a Twitter app called um, Tweetbot, okay. which shows which shows the timeline. It doesn't have a lot of the features that Twitter has because Twitter doesn't allow them through their yeah, yeah, API. Through their API yeah. So you got to use Twitter, but Twitter's app makes me want to stick a screwdriver in my ear. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it is such a, I don't, you know, it's presenting stuff that I don't know about. And I really don't care about. When I go back to Tweetbot, I know it's my friends or people I followed in a chronological yeah. order. But I also noticed that, again, it's almost like a little bit of a desert out there, you know, and so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, when something's big, when something big's going on, I like TweetDeck. Um, uh, you know, when the, the beginning of the the war in Ukraine, like I was watching it like a live news feed and and listening to Spaces. You know, the, the yeah. So, um, you know, the, the open source uh, intelligence stuff that's fascinating as heck. So, um, I enjoy that part of it, but uh, I tend to go towards Twitter as just getting. 
um, kind of hard news coming from someone. Right, stuff who's that's happening right away. Yeah, right now. But yeah, I'm not finding that. At least, you know, I follow a lot of photographers, and they show up in my timeline when they post. But it doesn't feel, at least to me yet, like there's a community. No. Uh, whereas like, you know, Facebook, there are the groups and there is a bit of a community talking back and forth with people. It favors are, broadcasters. Like if you're a Lady Gaga fan and Twitter is right, it, right? right. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's big broadcasting. Yeah. Putting out a picture, you know, uh, on Twitter is like, eh, you know, yeah. I'll do it because it doesn't cost me anything and it doesn't really, you know, I always I had my Instagram feed attached to Twitter. So when I post on Instagram, it automatically would go to Twitter. Yeah. But, uh. Neither one really helps each other. Twitter didn't send people to to Instagram. Instagram, didn't, you know, and again, I'm an old guy complaining a little bit, you know. I mean, I grew up with the internet and stuff like that, but this is a different world. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't spend the time that I think those systems want me to in order to gain things. And I don't know, do I, what am I gaining? Like, all right, I'll get, you know, a hundred more followers or 200 more followers, but is that going to get me a job or can people buy my prints <laughs> yeah. or you know, like yeah. none of that's happened yet. Or no. I don't think it will happen with me. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it does happen to some photographers and it's great or artists or whatever. And I'm not going to talk about NFTs. I'll put that aside yeah, for aside, some yeah. other weird show. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting we'll into that. We'll invite Brian back for that, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it'd be yeah. interesting to have a debate. Uh, I got another photographer who would love to put on the show with do, <laughs> do a battle yeah. with those guys. Anyway, enough said about that. So let's get to the show. Okay, so... <laughs> So okay, what's what's the show about this time? Well, what are we, what I didn't. Are we I had about? no idea what to talk about. Like, which is the, how we start the show all the time, right? I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And I'm on the subway this morning, and I'm reading. I'm I'm looking through my Walker Evans book, uh, even though we did already talk about Walker Evans at least once. I would love yeah. to talk about him again. I think there's so many levels to to. And not just a repeat. We'll actually no, not know, just a repeat. I, we're I, gonna. Talk about him again, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I've up. got this book of his called The Hungry Eye, which is more like a catalog of his work. Like a, a retrospective bunch of thing? Yeah, like. kind of. And it's interesting for someone like him who's got started here and then ended up here in multiple mm-hmm. different segments and different styles, I would say. Or, But what I ended up looking at was his color work in, in the end of his life, towards the end of his life, uh, Polaroid gave him an SX-70, and all the film that he could use. Mm-hmm. And the opening quote, by the way, for the show is Walker Evans, right? I won't mm-hmm. repeat it now because you'll heard it. Yeah. But And this is like one of the times where I know what the quote is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Usually the way we do the show is that we record the show and then I come up with a quote. And so I can't give a credit at the end. I'm trying to work on that somehow. But uh, anyway, the, he was given an SX-70, so uh, with tons of Polaroid film and he started going around, he was a collector of things. He liked to collect signs and, and he mm. would actually photograph signs as well. And he's, you know, at the beginning of his career when, when, when color photography was just coming in, he disliked color and then he's ending right. his career in color. So anyway, that being said, actually using, using Walker as sort of a template here, you know, we talked last week or last episode about why black and white. Right. So I thought, well, let's, why not say why color, right? Yeah. You know, and I wasn't sure how to talk about that, but color photography. Oh, so, you know, color photography is sort of the elephant in the room, right? We do it all the time. That's what we do yeah. but with, with Evans. He discovered it and he disliked it initially. But then when he was finally given this SX 70, 
instant pictures, which reminds me so much of an iPhone, right? Right. Because it's something that is light that you can carry and the pictures are instant and you're, and you're done. You can take a picture and you're done and anybody can do it. Those four, first generation folding SX70 cameras, I got two of them. They are beautiful. I want to get uh, one. Oh, <laughs> so I got to figure out how I can save up to get one so that I can use the new Polaroid film in it. But anyway, mm. he's taking these shots and he's walking around and suddenly he is sort of ending his lifetime of photography in color. For someone who started off at some point saying color was vulgar. Right. And then seeing the work that he's doing in color. So anyway, it made me think about this. Let's talk about why color. And and I'm not even sure how to talk about that because we just take color photography all the time. But I did want to say that we talked about this last time. You and me grew up starting with black with and white. Black and white, yeah. Right, and then color. And that's just my preferred mode of creating art, right? It is. And yeah. you're just born into it. And, and it, it wasn't the same for me. I actually was really happy when I could finally start photographing mm. color and it was, I want to say economical, it made economic sense, but like I could do it. I think yeah. actually what happened was in um, my first color photography course was in uh, SVA and we had a color processing machine. And oh, cool. I don't know if like it, a drum thing. Um, it was something that I can't remember what it was. It was like a machine and we stuck the paper in, in the dark room and then we had to go out. And come out the end, and the print came out the other end. And we okay. were doing. And you it were on, shooting reversal film. Or you were shooting negative film. Or you were shooting. Well, no, I'm talking about no. So I was talking about the, um, the we had the. I think we got the film processed outside. Okay. And then we were doing the color printing in the dark room. So we were using plastic RC. We talked about this before. Um, yeah. RC plastic paper in a Kodak machine. Uh, I might be okay. remembering this wrong, but there's nobody here to contradict me because. <laughs> But we were doing, I did like, I think it was one semester of color, uh, color processing. And you know what? Where are those prints? I got some. Are they like Cibachrome or whatever? They were. No, uh, no, you could not do Cibachrome. Cibachrome was. So (laughs) you got two old guys talking about old processes. Yeah. Cibachrome was made by Ilford, right? Right. And Cibachrome is something that you could not really do in a home darkroom. That had to be set up with, it was sort of like Kodachrome. Okay. Uh, it was a, uh, I think it was a proprietary machine and chemicals, and and it was too much of a crazy process for you to. But Cibachrome was one of the best ways, other than dye transfer, I think, to um, get a, a slide, a color slide transparency to print. Right. Yeah, in, I knew it was a positive process, right? And in a way that looked like color transparencies. It was, it was yeah. also a very, very, very glossy paper. It was incredibly mm. shiny. Uh, but no, it was, this was a Kodak process that we were doing and I was anyway. So that okay. was the only time I actually did color. Uh, and then I started moving into slides, which is, you know, you shoot a slide and then you're done. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing that for, for commercial purposes. Um, so anyway, you know, our transition is, is we start off in black and white and we, we, we moved into color. Some of mm-hmm. us because we could, or we wanted to. And now today the default is color. for the most part um you buy a camera from the store you know you buy a unless you're buying one of these leica monochrome cameras which i think that might be one of the there might be one or two leica cameras that do monochrome there's a there's a q uh 
there's a Q2, um, there's a, a Q2 monochrome version and then there's like an m10 an m10 or something like that. yeah there's there's you know and which is interesting i don't want to get into that and people are like it's a seven thousand dollar camera and only she's black and white but why would you do that but whatever but pretty much every camera you buy every digital camera you buy today is defaulted set on color you turn it on you put a battery in you put a card in take a picture it's color yeah. your iphone your android phone you buy it take a picture it's color 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 so everybody starts in color today Mm-hmm. And then converts to black and white, right? So, yeah. uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I'm looking. Me... I'm looking for. Um, looking for a hole in your armor here. Oh well, hang on. Maybe there is. <laughs> I'm. I'm going to fast forward. You know, fifty years. I don't know why, but in the same way that we grew up with black and white, and then we sort of migrated to color when we wanted to, or if we did, I mean, maybe not mm-hmm. you so much, but you know what I mean. Like, we kind of had to be in black and white mainly because economics and it's the best way to learn and all that stuff. Yeah. And then we converted and I'm talking about us personally, not like artists in general, because people were shooting color when we were, when we were just starting off too. Right. So, but what's going to happen in 50 years, right? So when um, photographers today who are growing up with, with color as the default, will they migrate to black and white (laughs) in the way that we migrated to color? Will something like that happen? I don't know. But I did want to sort of play around with this idea of why why do we default into color? It is the world we see. Right. right? But, <laughs> but I'm giving you an opening. <laughs> well, well, if I'm going 50 years in the future, I'm thinking of something else, actually. I'm thinking of because we're already doing this depth mapping stuff um, with our phones. Um I can see sculptures being created of scenes that we would have shot on our. Phone. But that's subject that's matter. Right. That's not like the technique. That's subject. But I know, but that's I'm just saying. Like, you know, I'm talking about technology. Like, yeah. Right, okay. Wrong. Fine. But we do that now a little bit. Now we have depth mapping yeah. and, and whatnot. But yeah, again, yeah. it's what what I, what I you know I want to sort of counteract what we were talking about with black and white, or just come up with the, you know, why we we choose color to photograph today and. I also want to touch on the fact that not all colors are the same. No, right? but I mean, uh, for somebody starting out, it's the most realistic rendering of what you're seeing. But why do we want realism, right? I mean, the whole idea of black and white photography is well, we're not we getting realism. Memory if, no, well, for me, it would be, you know, if I was a really color advocate, I'm a weak color advocate. And it's funny because I just posted a color picture on my Instagram. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring up Instagram again. <laughs> But I, 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 I posted a color picture from a photo walk I took with the camera club here mm-hmm. last weekend um, b- because uh, when I do shoot color, it's because it is a uh, it is an accurate rendering of what I saw and the colors are pretty or they're uh, striking or whatever. And that's, you know, it, it, it serves my uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, transfers the experience of being there better than how do i put it colors of sort of for me it's like being there reproducing what i saw black and white is me trying to create an object based on the raw material of what i shot okay it's two different kind of things all right well that's how you're approaching color that's how i'm approaching but that i mean if i'm going to be an advocate for color that's what i'm going to say all right and it's an approach right but when we talk about color um Okay, so 
for instance, I recently purchased, uh, was watching Ted Forbes on his, the art of photography mm-hmm. YouTube channel. And, uh, he had a, an episode which caught my eye and I think it was like eight minutes long and I'm in a song and I watched it and it was basically an advertisement for his Kodachrome or his Kodak and Fuji presets. Okay. I wasn't, I, I like his, I like his channel and I appreciate all the work he's doing. I wasn't a big fan of that episode because okay. it was a eight minute commercial and it didn't, didn't, it didn't, um, it wasn't well, advertised yeah. as it. You know, he was oh, talking about, I see. there was yeah. something about it that I was like, okay, let me read, let me see what's going on. But he was talking about his presets, but I ended at the end of the show, I ended up logging onto a site and buying his presets because they were Kodachrome or uh, Kodak presets, not Kodachrome. There were some Kodachrome presets and Ektachrome presets in there. And for yeah. nobody who knows what we're talking about, we're talking about film presets that are built into Lightroom. He also has them for Capture One. So I ended up buying them and I already have. A, a bunch of Kodachrome presets that I also purchased a couple of years ago on uh, Lightroom as well. And I use those a lot. I actually have some Fuji presets as well. And the Fuji, that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, the, I picked up a couple of, um, well, I didn't pick them up. They're from a website, which the name I didn't I didn't bother to look up because they never were going to talk about it. But the, this guy has all of these uh, different um Settings for your Fuji camera to right. make it simulate. Uh, oh, the, those are the the film simulations, the recipes, yeah, the film simulations, right? yeah. recipes. Yeah, different, uh, n- not different execution for the same ideas, like having yeah. simulations of film, which is really interesting because color slide film, which a lot of these are trying to duplicate, does not have the never had the dynamic range of no uh, digital sensors. So already we're trying to simulate something that. You know, you have this many colors, but trying to squish them into these many colors. So and taking the shadows way down and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. Making but blues I, look weird. Yeah, but I own yeah. all these presets because I love, you know, I do like the film look. It was one of the reasons why I stayed with Fuji, or I like Fuji, uh, is their recipes built into the camera. But each of these, even even the, the Ted Forbes presets and this other presets i can't remember the name of jw i think a kodachrome presets jw they're different you know when they're even trying to simulate the same film because right. each of them uh the creators of the presets have a different interpretation of what the slides look like to them and so right. you know you go back into these things and you see like oh i want to simulate you know saul lighter's look or or you know uh real you know william eggleston right right and and it wasn't like those guys had a look. They they shot film, right, which was made yeah. by Kodak most likely, processed yeah. by Kodak machines. Probably, unless they were different laboratories, there could be variations in how they were processing. But those guys did not mm-hmm. do anything to their films to make them look like that. They chose no, subjects. They change a setting on the enlarger, whatever. If they were gonna, perhaps. But if they're shooting thing. slides, they're not doing doing but anything. Yeah. You know, they're just shooting code. You know, they, there's no, the slide is the finished p- picture. So anyway, everybody's doing an interpretation. Of so my, this is a long winded way of saying all the colors that we're seeing are interpretations. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the world that you're seeing in color is not the world that you're capturing on your camera. And it's certainly probably not the final picture that you're spitting out to the world. None of that. No. So how is it realism? Well, in the way, if you frame it that way, it isn't, it is a, um, you know, they're, they, the camera companies and, and the guys that write these presets are helping you or trying to sell you solutions that 
provide a product that has a certain look to it. And, you know, we're starting to ring the bell and your word nostalgia, right? Oh, it looks like, you know, this picture looks like a Kodachrome. Uh, like I have these pictures I took at the, at the zoo of, of tulips in the, in the flower garden that I shot with Kodachrome 25 before they quit making it. And they're among my favorite, Oh, my favorite. It's a wonderful film. Oh, just, just the red, like just the reds were insane. The reds were insane. If you ever took a picture of a rose with a Kodachrome 25, you know what we're talking about. By the way, there's no, there's no cameras today that have a native ISO of 25 or can go down there. They all do extended fake ISOs, but nothing natively goes down that far. You know, if you could get me a film simulation or a preset that actively or, or, or what's actively is the wrong word, um, uh, that can give me a realistic interpretation of that Kodachrome 25, I think I would buy it um, for sure. But uh, what was I going with this? Oh, the nostalgia aspect, right? Um, that's why that's why these, these companies are putting this stuff out there because it's just, it's, not enough just to have a camera that produces a color product. You want people to have, you know, their creative, uh, some kind of creative control, if you want to call it, by making the selection of these different simulations. Mm-hmm. And if you're old guys like us who pine for the Kodachrome days and you can have something, it's a fun, fun project to go out and shoot flowers or whatever and then come back and process it and have it look like Kodachrome 25. Um, yeah, I'd okay. be all over that. I mean, I, that exp- that for me that explains sort of why they exist. And there's some fun, I think, in developing the recipes for them or developing the where the slider should go in Lightroom. Sure, it it we have a lot more variations. Yeah, my pictures can look a lot different. Actually, when you open up a you know a photography magazine or like I was talking about frames, uh, the group that I'm part of on Facebook, and they have a quarterly magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see the pictures that are being printed there and all the different photographers have different color looks, you know, I mean, you could just rattle off a list of modern photographers and each one is a different interpretation of color. Right. Each one is actually, so, so what is, not only is nostalgia in involved, in this, right? We're talking about, okay, I want things to look like film and maybe for you and me, for me, I, I, I might've said this before in the past, but I was very, the kind of photography I was doing in color, it was stock photography and it was commercial. And when yeah. I could stop having film as part of my workflow, I was really happy. I was like mm-hmm. ecstatic to like get rid of film. Right. Because then it was digital. It was new and it was fun and it was instant. And I can, I had more control over it and all the stuff that's built into digital already. Yeah. And then, you know, years later, I, I noticed that someone comes along and says, well, digital pictures can look like this. And again, sorry to make this a Fuji thing, but I don't think any other company has made a camera that's done. Maybe they'll maybe like us, but I've never shot with them yet. Uh, digital not like us, but Fuji certainly made a, you know, let's try to make an image look less digital. Right? Right. And I was like, Oh, you know, like compared to my Nikon, right. And I look at a picture that I shoot with my Fuji in color and a picture mm-hmm. that I shoot with my Nikon in color the Fuji looks somehow more natural to me. And I, I don't yeah. necessarily mean that it's film like, but film was a natural thing. It was chemical and whatever, but I could see differences. I could see, Oh, this is Nikon looked more like it was, I'm describe it. I, I don't have words to describe it, but it didn't look 
as looked a little magical. bit more clinical, yeah. Or yeah, clinical. I noticed that with Sony pictures too, and maybe not so much with Canon, but but you know, it it exists. So yeah. I wasn't nostalgic for film, in in the sense of like no oh, no no well, not the it, no just the look. I mean, that's well, what but I, even that's that is like you know you know, I I liked. I like something that didn't look like it was reminding me that it was just pixels, right? Because that's what right. digital files are, just pixels, not really mm -hmm. represent, not an actual representation of what you photographed. It's a copy. Yeah. It's a signal processed in a computer that's saying this is what that color was and this is what that brightness was. It's not like film, mm -hmm. which was actually, sorry for doing this. I probably have done this a zillion times as well, but like, you know, the slides I have on my, you know, the ones that I shot in Germany, my slides were there. They were actually there. Those yeah. pieces of film traveled yeah. with me, and they captured That's the, the metaphysical part of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people like my oh. old rodeo pictures yeah. that I shot yeah. on Actachrome. And, and the half like, the audience they were there with like, me. Yeah, yeah. Half the audience is like, "Oh, shut up! You're just <laughs> like, yeah." But there's yeah. something. Yeah. There's something to that. Anyway, but to not be reminded that I'm I'm creating something. Well, I, I'm going off really not about you know colors anymore. Uh, but I did want to go back to this interpretation thing, you know, that, that's not nostalgia that I, okay, I can create my own look and color, but it's not necessarily real realism. Now, again, we can differentiate people who are just buying cameras for the first time or they're using their phones to take pictures. You know, I spend some time in my classes talking to the students is talk about post-processing like, you know, well, the picture that comes directly out of your camera, you don't necessarily have to be satisfied with. Yeah. You can be. It could be the picture you want. But how do you put your own voice in it? What is the how do you see the world? How do you see colors and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. And you know, thinking about uh photographers, I don't know if you know about this photographer, Pete Turner. I know the name. Pete Turner is uh in fact uh, Alex Kilby did an episode recently on Pete Turner. And I know Pete Turner because he had uh, submitted. Uh, he was also a stock photographer. I mean, he was submitting stock. See the bold colors. I very see bold colors. Very and yes. balloons and. But not just that. He also would reprocess his pictures. Like he was known for taking pictures of his pictures. So, like, if you would take a slide in the past and yeah. you put it on a, a slide copier, which would basically be like an upside down uh, enlarger. Right. Right. So the head was on the bottom and then you had a little sort of clear uh, sort of frosted area where you put the slide on and you had three mm -hmm. dials where you could actually change the colors. But what he did was and there was a, there was a bellows on top where you attach your camera and then you mm -hmm. could copy the slide. It was a slide copier. And, you, and actually what you were supposed to do is use duping film. Duping film right. was a very, very low contrast slide film. And in the stock agencies, we had a lot of this. We, we would work with a laboratory we would take a photographer's original and we would want to send copies of it to yeah. different agencies. So we would have an original and we would dupe them. We call them dupes. Yeah. And you would use low contrast film to maintain as much as the original as possible. The, 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 the dupe okay, would never look as good as the original because it was never sharp, and but it worked. Yeah. Pete Turner did something like this. And forgive me if anybody knows Pete Turner. I don't know exactly his process, but I know a little bit about it because we would we would edit his work. But he would duplicate his Kodachrome pictures onto Kodachrome film. And what that did was build up the color and the contrast. And mm -hmm. eventually he would also start adding elements and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how to describe this. He would do this uh, like two exposure kind of thing. 
but he was very well known for like oversaturated, really bright colors. He'd find something and he would photograph it and then he could duplicate it to build up that. And his, his colors were just, uh, and what wasn't the same. I remember Kilby saying this, it was great to watch his episode because I knew Pete Turner's work. And so I knew his technique. And so Kilby is talking about this from a different point of view of like, yeah, I get it. But yeah. you know, he was, um, Oh shoot. I forgot what I was going to say. It's like about his uh, colors. Well, you're getting away from um, uh, uh, the reality, getting away from getting away uh, from the reality. See, this is what happens when you work late at night. Work, no, that's work fine. eight hours. I know. Um, but but Turner would uh, uh, he would uh, take regular subjects, you know, like a like a shot of a um, a wall in Morocco, and then build up this color. Oh, I know what you're saying. The color was more of a natural color buildup whereas like wasn't quite the same kilby noticed this if you if you like took the image and pumped up the saturation or vibrance in lightroom mm. not the same it was it was mm. basically working with the limitations of slide film that created this look and there's no it's really not an easy way i think to do it in in um in photoshop or lightroom or something like that i mean you could probably do it i'm sure if you looked at it long enough you could figure out how yeah. But, you know, someone's like, you know, it would be the same thing as saying, well, I'm going to create a black and white picture by just turning the saturation down. Well, no, that's not how you make a black and white picture. That's how you remove the yeah. color. So uh, yeah. the same thing with with uh, this. You're like, you couldn't really duplicate it. So anyway, Turner is coming up with his own way of creating sort of natural, bright colors. And that became his style. I mean, that was his signature mm -hmm. style. And uh, and it was not based in any reality. He was taking real colors and then in enhancing them and, and, and sort of pushing the limits of them uh, mm. and creating his reality, how he saw something like a garbage can on a beach. So it was like, a, you know, a blue sky and orange sand and a yellow garbage can with a, you know, green or red doorway on it. And, and, and it was it was it was saying something. But it wasn't reality, though. It was far no. from reality. And he was not shooting in black and white. He was shooting colors. So all these guys, you know, and we've talked about color photographers before. I mean, you know, Eggleston and stuff like that. And yeah. I don't pretend to know all the the ins and outs of why, you know, color was such a big deal in the art world then. I and, mean, you know, yes, it was new and it was, but I'm still working on it. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure yeah. that stuff out. But I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I know. You know, we're sitting well, here but with it, our beers and stuff like that. Yeah, with our beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't our beer, beer. I should say. Uh, oh, be, oh, our be, beers. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. if it was beer, I'd be No, I said beer, beer, but I'm now I'm switching it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um strokey beard thing, as 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 yes, as, as Kilby would we, say. We, <laughs> we, uh, oh yeah, but yeah. consider this carefully. You know, scratching your beard this carefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean uh I have no problem with with any of what you're saying, like I'm not, uh, yes, I'm a, an apologist for black and white, but I, I, I don't mean to be, uh, I don't mean to exclude color. I'm not, uh, things aren't just black and white for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. so yeah, I do. I mean, I, I'm going back to my own, my own thoughts about this and how Go I ahead. approach sure. it. Like, it's and here. it's, it's, um, you know, I can shoot. It's funny when you say, you know, you we shoot a color image in um, 
uh, you don't have a digital camera and you can do something, you can do post-processing with it or not. And maybe what you intended was just, you know, what came out of straight out of the camera. And a lot of people do that. Uh, they shoot straight out of the camera and they're able to, uh, you know, publish, publish to Instagram or do whatever. And they could do, I, I can't, I can't, can't. Uh, even with color images, I, have to, I, yeah. I do modify them so mm -hmm. that it meets, it meets my idea of what the image should look like. And I have no problem with it departing from reality. I don't want to make it freakish. I don't want to turn, you know, blues into magentas, you know, I don't want to do that kind of infrared or, you know, infrared film that came mm -hmm. out for a while, or maybe it's still available. <laughs> That where the colors are really, you know, wacko. Night for me, they're nightmarish. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I would tune it a little bit. I'd punch up the probably punch up the saturation depending on the day and and uh, you know if the color if the image had a little bit of red in it that was really punchy and I really want the picture to be about red and make it look a little bit more sol lightery, you know, then I would I would dial up a little bit of sat saturation for the red. Why? To make it look like my intention, um, your intention or what you saw, or no, I mean, like no. you, you didn't, you didn't see the colors that saturated, right? Obviously, no, no, right. I didn't. So you you boosted, but I'm we're, we're I'm just creating a like when I'm in black and white, I want to make it look like the way uh, I think it should be seen uh, when you do get a chance to view it. I don't want to make it look freakish, like I just said. I don't right, make, right. want to make solarization it kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the, there's there's a point for that, and maybe if I do a, a project for that, I'll be happy to do that. But if I'm I'm uh, you know shooting color, I will definitely look at it and see where are the pluses and minuses here, and just boost it a little bit so that it doesn't look. You know, we were talking uh, on the last show about we get this pile of color prints back from the from the drugstore, and they're flat and awful, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, now we can do something. Right now, about we can it. do something about it. Yeah, we can do something about it. And and for the most part, because I use whatever it is, the Provia, uh, which is the default. Um, it's I believe that's the default setting on the Fuji camera. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's meant to look like color, uh, color negative film, right? No, Provia Provi is a slide. Oh, Provia is a slide film. Sorry, um, and I think, um, uh, you know, and I, the saturation is getting up there, but for certain subjects, I, would, I definitely want to uh, boost it. Maybe boost the um, the, the uh, contrast a little bit as well. But I don't have any problem mm -hmm. with it departing from reality because just the fact that you're capturing something whether it's in color or black and white, you are, you're a layer away from the actual reality. And I don't, I don't really think of it as uh, I want I want the picture to look realistic. The final product should look mm -hmm. realistic, um, but it doesn't have to be exactly what I saw. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay. not a photojournalist. I'm not a, right. We're there you know, to I am trying to be an artist. <laughs> well, we're here to interpret. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that people would look at my work because they want to see how I see the world. But, you know, then they get people who are asking me, you really see the colors like that? You know, oh, for instance, this is a great example. <clears throat> I haven't done them in a while, but my sunrise pictures that I was doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And sunrise pictures were not about uh, the motivation behind them. Let me see if I can say I wasn't really trying to make any kind of special statements about sunrises. I just happened to live in a place that faces east. And yeah. when I went up in the morning, and sometimes it is just spectacular. 
mm-hmm. right? And I will post the pictures. I will I will shoot them, edit them. I'm, I'll transfer them to my iPhone, most likely. You know, I, I, I will shoot JPEGs. I mean, I shoot JPEG and RAW, mm-hmm. but the RAWs never <laughs> forget the. This is, sorry, me making a little uh, uh, complaint here, but the processing the raw files from the from the Fuji to make them look like the way the JPEGs look like in the camera. I was like, I'm not spending time doing this. This is this is mm. insane. Let the the camera did a great job. So I'll take the JPEGs into Lightroom and I'll boost them up a little bit. I'll I'll do. I might push them a little too far sometimes. I've done that, but I I will certainly push the colors because. The the experience of the sunrise. Here we go. Sirens. The experience of the sunrise is something more than just what it looks like in my eyes. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm experiencing the color of the, the, the morning colors are like I describe it. Morning is a little bit different than sunset. There's a little mm-hmm. more cooler pinks and blues mm-hmm. uh, when the sun is rising. And that's something that. I'm affected by. And so I will mm-hmm. take the pictures. I might boost up some, you know, uh, whatever processing I do. I'm not going to get mm-hmm. into it because I don't know what I do. And then I'll post them and people say, those are great pictures. But, you know, then they'll post their iPhone picture. It goes, but it looked more like this. And I'm like, yeah. well, no, it didn't really look like that because your phone isn't in, is interpreting the world the way the phone does. And so that's not what yeah. the colors look like. Your eyes did not see that. Yeah. Um, but I'll get the question of like, did is, you know, was that how it really looked? And I get, I get stumbled sometimes in how to respond because I really wanted to say, don't ask me that question. Why are you asking me that question? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, just shut up and enjoy the picture. Just said that, yeah. It's, you know, enjoy it's the picture. picture. But I get this kind of like, you know, people want to know. And then I, I've taken that as an idea to talk to students about saying, well, you know, we kind of want to see the world, like if we saw the world the way our eyes saw it, if we took pictures, color pictures, mm-hmm. the way we see it with our eyes, I think it'd be terribly boring. And then we'd be like, well, why would we be taking pictures in the first place? Right? Because if, right. if everything you took looked exactly how you saw it, five or six feet in the air, horizontal color, the way the colors look to your eyes, <laughs> yeah. it would not be very interesting. So I thought, well, maybe it's because we want to see the way cameras see the world uniquely and that goes with lenses and you know whatever else is built in the cameras but it certainly is is the color and in the days of film it was the way the films looked rendered yeah right today it's how your camera renders because fuji renders different than nikon renders different than leica renders different than canon they all Mm -hmm. you all pick the ones that you like you know and maybe for new photographers it might take several um iterations of cameras that you go through before you settle on the one I'm like oh yes you know for me I've been an icon user for a very very long time and then Fuji came along it's like yes this is me this is kind of how I want to see the world so yeah I want to see the world the way the camera shows me which is of course the way some engineer and designer designed it right, right? yeah but at some point it's going to resonate right now I figure I could do something so anyway I want to see the world or I want to show the world the way I think I'm not coming up with the right word. Imagine it. You know, it's just the the idealized world for me. My sunrises are idealized because I wake up in the yeah, morning and there's a lot you're putting more. in an emotional impact by making right, those right. adjustments. Right, so, so the color has that aspect to it. It's, it's that's why, I mean, I'm not going to shoot a sun. I really, I just like, try, should I shoot a sunrise and turn it into black and white? I'm like, no. It's yeah. like, that is not the point. I, no. I can see that people have made 
great sunrise pictures in black and white or sunsets or whatever. That mm-hmm. is not the way I'm affected by a sunrise. So I'm going to do it the you know the way I want to do it. When I got off the train this morning, after I thought the, about the idea of let's let's do something about color, I suddenly was walking down the street and it was early morning, so the sun was coming in mean, that early early, but it was you know sort of raking light. Mm-hmm. And it was bright, and it, it, because it was bright sunlight, usually sunlight is doing something to the colors, like midday summer sun kind of makes colors not great. But because yeah. this is a little bit of angled, I started seeing things differently. Suddenly, like the, like a rug, like a, rugs on a stairs, like a rug-covered co- stairway mm-hmm. took on a different look, or those, uh, those uh, barriers, those street barriers that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're called Jersey barriers. I saw some with painted stripes with the, the paint peeling off and the texture because of the, the, the way the light oh, was raking yeah. light. Mm-hmm. And the color of the stripes that I painted, in fact, I processed those and I was like, these are great for me. I mean, they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. make a great photograph. They might be a nice photograph. But I was like, I was suddenly in tune with color once I mentioned that I wanted to talk yeah, to Yeah, once you're thinking about it. I was talking about well, color. So it's like, like it's a way of getting away from being, so I'm yapping too much on this, but like this default thing, we are, we are, we want to choose to make pictures in color. Just yeah. like you want to choose to make them black and white. I mean, I know you're automatically going to shoot color no matter what you're doing these days for the most part. And then you can convert to black and white later. Yes. I don't want to do that. Um, but I think you need to make the sort of conscious choice that you want to shoot something. Shoot color. color. Well, it's funny. Um, like when Mark and I used to go out and take pictures downtown all the time, they would be, I try to have a mindset. What am I looking for? I'm looking for shapes. I'm looking for uh, people. I'm looking for buildings. I'm looking for a certain geometry of things. And it's a time of day where, uh, or the time of the year where the noonday sun goes down along the streets, you know, at North South streets. So I'll be looking for long shadows and those sorts of things in the wintertime, especially. Um, so when you're, uh, you know, you're thinking of color, you start seeing it and you have this kind of built-in mindset. And now, now I'm seeing the colors and thinking about it. And then you can shoot from that context. And that's one thing that we don't say enough about when we're out shooting with friends or just out with ourselves. What, what is it? You give yourself a little mini assignment, mm-hmm. and which you, of course you can deviate. If you see something more interesting, you're not just limiting, you're not putting blinders on and just say, I'm going to do right, this, right. but having that mindset, um, and if you're thinking in color, that's one thing I I don't know that I've really ever done. Um, well, I could certainly. But think about it, the days, I mean, let's go back to the photographers we were talking about before, like Leiter, Eggleston, or any of these people who are pioneers sort of at the cusp when color was just becoming to be taken mm-hmm. seriously. When you stuck a roll of color film in your camera, you were, that's it. You are committed to color. You, you yeah. sort of have to think that while you're out and yeah. shooting, you know, and whether or not they were thinking about how the film would react after it gets processed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not because, you know, Kodachrome generally was pretty, the processing was pretty uh, uh, consistent between yeah. all the, uh, but you know, uh, you would know this, I'm sure, more than I do. But you know, different lenses would have different effects on yeah. film. Different lenses would have would lower the contrast, or 
mm-hmm. bring in flair or something like that, which would then also change the colors that the film was receiving. So that and if you're shooting added, slide film, you had to be much more careful about exposure too. Slide film, some hard gen- lessons. Yeah, you, generally you know, slide you film, you can underexpose, but you didn't overexpose. Yeah, you can. In fact, if you underexpose Kodachrome by a half a stop, often that was depending on what you're shooting, quarter stop, half stop, uh, maybe yeah. not a full stop, but you would over, you start to saturate the colors. If you overexposed, you were doomed. <laughs> it was like overexposing, yeah. but all that affects. The, the color as well but anyway my point is that that was your you know um your mindset was okay well i got 36 exposures or or 12 120 or 10 120 exposures mm-hmm. in, in color and that's what i had to think about and that's what they're going out to do today i don't know if that's the case you know you don't necessarily and i'm not saying you have to but you go out you take pictures you default in color you come back later probably and this is, I'm overgeneralizing, of course, but you come back and then you say, oh yeah, this picture would look better in black and white and, and great. Okay. So you have that option afterwards. That's fine. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I don't like what? that. <laughs> what? If I, if I intended to shoot in color, um, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't switch it to black and white. I, I couldn't like that. That's a boundary. I don't think I would cross unless there was something overwhelming about it. That it was had some kind of graphic impact in black and white that I should have seen, uh, and decided to shoot it in black and white. Um, you would actually have shot it, it in black and white. No, no, no. I would have shot it in color. I mean, to, with the intention, intention of, to black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not like I could, I could keep it a secret and not, you know, <laughs> like, Ooh, I meant to shoot this in color, but it really came out black and white. Ooh, I not, put them, I put one over on them. Yeah, I put, yeah, like they had these people have no idea, fools. No, yeah. um, it was just if I really intended it to be a color picture and it mm-hmm. didn't work, I would just discard it or leave it alone in the in the, in the Lightroom catalog. Be like, well, that's another disappointment. I'll move on. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think um, I don't know what to think. Anymore. A thoughtful pause there. <laughs> it's a thoughtful pause, and nothing came to me. All right. Um, well, you know, actually, I think we. I think well, I spoke a lot, but I think I was talked a lot about this because um, we're almost in an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> but like we said about black and white, color is is, you know, how how our phones and and by default our cameras are configured. Um they offer a more realistic rendering of the world around us. And that's a good thing. We still have the uh, ability and, you know, as photographers, uh, even a drive to, to change, you know, manipulate or tune the image to meet our intention and uh, different kinds of discovery in the process of shooting in color. Um, It's, it's another, you know, it's another way to express yourself in photography. And so I'm, you know, like I say, I'm not, I shoot black and white because that's more of my native language, but I've got nothing against color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been able to take some pretty good color pictures in my day too, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad we have the option. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, so. And I was just, you know, I wanted people to think about, think about it a little bit more that, like, like we just said, 
it is the way the default is. It's you're 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 not even thinking of shooting black and white because it's not you don't open up your camera when you first buy it and the first picture you take out if it comes out black and white. Nobody wants that. Camera manufacturers don't want you to see that. It's not you know, yeah. just, I can imagine you know what well, the scandal that it would be if you you know bought a new Fuji camera and the first picture you took it, it you know was was in a black and white simulation they'd be like what people would think there's I'd be you know be getting tech calls from people saying my picture my camera's taking black and white pictures why but we we go out we put on a lens we take a picture of a subject we do all these things with some intention right and I like to think mm-hmm. that's the point but we we probably don't think as much about the rendering of the image, uh, the color that we're creating, you know, we just, you know, poor color, poor color just doesn't get a thought. You do have to think about black and white, just like you're saying, like I need to think about this a little bit more and create black and white, but color does not get that stage because it's, it's always there, you know, and you don't Mm -hmm. think about it. And so my, my sort of point about this that I wanted to, I don't know if this is the point I started with, but I just want people to think about like the intention that you are going to shoot color with some reason. Uh, you're going to post-process it if you want to create the color palette that you, that, that sings to you, right? Like, Oh yeah, that's, that's me. You know, never be satisfied necessarily with what comes out of the camera. You could be satisfied with what yeah. comes out of the camera. Like what? Well, one uh, thing that, uh, uh, one, uh, Dan Winters, um, uh, famous portrait photographer if you look uh if you look at his work the color palette he has on his for his subjects for his portraits is quite Something. different and yeah, it is, it is it's really arresting uh, but not necessarily realistic um but it's it's stunning that what the work that he produces is stunning i i agree i have i uh maybe we should do a deep dive on him so i bought one of his books i don't know where it is now uh, I got his Will Ferrell on the cover. It's Will Ferrell with this sort of alien outfit on or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I see his pictures pop up. Uh, I think recently was some stuff that he was doing at NASA or the astronauts or something like that. <clears throat> Portraits. Mm. But the, the color palette was something not what you, not what you saw when you walked into his studio. I am probably a thousand percent sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, you saw the person with their clothes and dress they were, but his final picture the very almost monochromatic, but not mm-hmm. quite, you know, very cool, yeah. very cool looking, almost dark to the point, but not too dark, you know, is at mm-hmm. least how I'm seeing. Um, yeah. But very intense, you know, intentionful. So I know people are of all sorts of skill levels listen to this show and like really for the people who are just starting out. Uh, and again, this is sort of like what I tell students is like, don't just be satisfied with what the camera is giving you. That's always what somebody who made the camera thinks the world should look like. You know, yeah. they dialed in these colors and whatnot. And and you look at it and you say, OK. And then you say, why aren't my pictures as good as they could be? Well, maybe part of that is that, you know, you're just going with the default and maybe try to start thinking about something differently. Maybe this is not the camera for you. Maybe at some point you'll get another camera, which has different kinds of lenses, which produces colors slightly differently, you know, but keep this in mind. Mindful photography is, I guess what, what it boils down to, you know, don't just go and take a picture and, and be done. Think about it a little bit more. And again, you could be done or maybe not be done. So anyway, that's all I want to say about it. And I, I, I suspect again, 
that this is a bigger subject I would like to talk more about, but I sort of wanted to open the book on it because we did the episode on black and white. And black and white, yeah. I think color should get its day. <laughs> Even though oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. Perfect. <laughs> and that's that. And that is that. All right. Well, great. Um, uh, well, where can we find you? I know you're on Instagram and you haven't been hacked. I'm so. still, I'm, and I haven't been hacked because I thank have you, my two-factor authentication. Ah, thank I'm you a, a lot. That's, my <laughs> day job is systems administration. Learn from so. me, everybody. So yeah, don't answer any DMs and get your two-factor authentication all set up, please. Yeah. So, so yeah, where, where uh, on Instagram, you? I'm uh, Ward Rosin Fine Art. On Twitter, I'm W Rosin Photo. On Facebook, I am Ward Rosin Photography, and I'm just Ward, plain old Ward Rosin on Flickr. And that's where you're going to find me. I have a website where uh, Mark Ryerson and I are still selling the rodeo book. It's uh, rosin.ca, R-O-S-I-N.ca. And that's it. And I, well, and I have my little my lens little lens selling business called the Ornis Photo. O-R-N-I-S.photo. 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 Unofficial sponsor. Unofficial sponsor. As we go, thanks. And uh, yeah, we are. Um, well, actually, I, again, I haven't loaded up our Instagram account yet because I want to stay off. But uh, uh, Street Shots podcast on Instagram. I'll work on it, hopefully. And uh, until I'm back on IG, don't don't look for me on IG. I mean, you can actually look for me on IG, but don't follow me because I don't want you to get a hack. But it's Am Rosario on IG. Uh, but I'm Am Rosario on Twitter as well and so yeah maybe you can uh, follow me there and maybe it won't be such a shouting into the Grand Canyon and on Facebook Rosario Photography and website is amrosario.com so search for me maybe this is a great time for me to get my website up and running and, and use that as my train. oh I can open up a Tumblr again <laughs> yeah, get Tumblr going get what Tumblr the heck going. <laughs> yeah and talk about the, talk about a wasteland sorry no I'm for All me, right. it was. It was not a waste. But anyway, that's it for tonight. Board, thanks for thanks for hanging out with me tonight. I really appreciate my it. My pleasure, my friend. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, I can see you in a couple of weeks. I'll be here. We'll figure out something else to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I just uh, and I, I should tell you that a friend and I uh, from my beers and cameras group, we've uh, lined up a model to do uh, outside um, fashion shoot. Ah, I'm Some, looking sometime forward to in May. That. Okay. And um, uh, when it's yeah, not so snowing. When it's not snowing, and um, and I think my friend is she's recovering from COVID actually right now, so we're going to have to push back uh, that. So, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll I'll report back. It will okay. probably won't be in the next two weeks, but it'll be All sometime. Right. Well, we'll talk about that. That'll be kind of fun. So yeah. All right, get man. My, get my inner Avedon going. Yes, yes. I would like to see that. Actually, that's a good thing to try to do something that's out of out of the norm. So we should yeah. probably talk about that. All right, man. Well, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, and uh, I will see you later. All right. Good see night, everybody man. in a couple of weeks, right? We'll right. see you. Bye. Bye.